Keen, Pastor Tracy and Pastor Lonnie Keen with us from Columbus, Ohio. Um, they have a beautiful church in Columbus, Ohio. They've been pastoring for 26 years. 26 years. They started the church when they were nine. So they were young leaders, gifted, and <laughs> incredibly gifted. Um, I love this couple so much. Uh, they've become fast friends. Uh, there's so much wisdom and love and grace you'll hear uh, in just a moment some of Pastor Lonnie's story. And it's just miraculous what God can do. I, I know you were going to leave here encouraged and you're going to leave here believing that with Christ all things are possible. So could you do me a massive favor? Can we give honor where honor is due? Can we put our hands together? Can you shout down? Come on. Pastor Lonnie Keyes. Thank you. grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. It is so good to be in Salt Lake City. Uh, for the very first time, you can be seated. Thank you for your patience this morning. And uh, this is our first time, Tracy and I's first time here in uh, Utah, and specifically Salt Lake, of course. And man, you have a beautiful, beautiful city here. Man, I didn't know really what to expect, but man, it is gorgeous. I guess I'm here at the right time of the season as well. And uh, my wife was here back in February uh, for uh, an event, and it, uh, 19 inches of snow fell. <laughs> so she didn't get to see anything. She said, I don't know what it looks like. So, but uh, we're so glad to be back. And uh, man, what a great church. I want to just welcome you all to the well another weekend. Everybody who's watching online, Auditorium 2, yeah. want to welcome all of you guys to church, man. This is such a great church because you have great leaders and great pastors. Yeah and Pastor Jason and Pastor Erica, and so we're so, so grateful for them. And uh, such uh, generous and hospitable people who are not pretentious, but what you see is what you get. They are real, they're the real deal. And I can appreciate that, being in ministry. And uh, man, what, what, what an, a testament to what they're doing in Salt Lake City uh, at the well. And so uh, I'm glad to be here today and to stand uh, in his stead in the pulpit to share with you what I believe the Lord has laid on my heart. I've had an opportunity to meet some of the other leaders around here. So you guys have great leadership team, man. People who are solid, who uh, love the Lord, who love God's church and God's people. And you can't, you can't find that on every corner. It doesn't come a dime a dozen, believe me when I tell you. And so you ought to feel very honored and appreciative and grateful yeah. to be a part of this house. Yeah. yeah, to be a part of this house. Uh, he mentioned my wife, Pastor Tracy, is with me. She generally tra travels with me probably 90% of the time. And uh, we've been married uh, 31 years this year. Yeah. We, we got married uh, 31 years ago come Christmas Day. We get married. We got married on Christmas Day. You believe that's our anniversary? People forget all about our anniversary because... It's the Lord and Savior's day, right? And so it gets overshadowed. But we've been together actually for 41 years. So I think I was, I was about nine when we got together. No, I'm just kidding. And uh, we were together 10 years before we gave our heart to God on this side of the cross. Now we've been together for 31 years, giving our heart to God on this side of the cross. 
and our life on this side of the cross has been much better than our life was on that side of the cross. You, you know what I mean by that, right? The, the Bible says that a street, a three-stranded cord is not easily broken, so that's God in the midst of our marriage, and so we give him all the glory for the years that we've been together. And so we have three sons, Devin, Isaiah, Jeremiah, they're all grown. Three grandsons, Dion, uh, Roman, and Jackson. They're just little itty bitties, but uh, all males. I got a lot of testosterone in the house, and I, I only know how to produce men child. I only know how to produce men child. So, uh, so, so good to be here today. Uh, Y'all ready for the word? Yes. Amen. We had a great time in the last service, and uh, I suspect no difference here. Uh, I'm going to take a, my time, if it's okay. Uh, and just kind of build up with this. Uh, hopefully this message will be encouraging because I am an encouraging person, so I don't want you to think, no, he's not very encouraging. I'm an encourager. That's what I do. I encourage. Like one day I pulled up on our church property and there was a big brown uh, floral truck that had parked on our property. They needed to use it, I guess, to do their work. And the guy jumped off of the truck with a big old bouquet of flowers and he was in a hurry. He was already running up the street. So I just yelled out, run, florist, run! <laughs> Because I'm an encourager, right? That's, that's what I do. I encourage. <laughs> um, I'm going to read this story from your few verses of Scripture in your hearing. Uh, I know you've heard the story about the prodigal son in a great church you've heard all kind of good teachings and stuff. But I'm going to read this just to refresh your memory. Uh, in Luke chapter 15, verse 11, uh, it says, and he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me, and he divided unto them his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. He wasted his money, everything, with wild living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he uh, went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine, and he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat. In other words, he had got so hungry, he was almost glad to just eat what the pigs were eating. And no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. He said, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring thither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat, and be merry. For this my son was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found, and they begin to be merry. They begin to be married. Let me just pray. Father, we just thank you for this moment, this opportunity to share your word. I decrease, you increase. Think through my mind, speak through my mouth. If I stand here to share the unadulterated word of the living God, it's in Jesus' name that I pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. The title of my message today is an interesting title. It doesn't seem like it goes with the scriptures that we just read, but I'm, just, I'm entitling this up, calling it up. Everybody say up. 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 Yeah, I'm calling it up. I was going to call it what's up. 
<laughs> What's up? Like in, in African-American community, you know, you can just walk by somebody and do this. That's all you got to do is do this. <laughs> and, and that says, what's up? That's all, you know, you ain't even saying that. You just, what's up, right? But I'm not going to call it what's up. I'm just going to call it up. The reason I'm calling it up is because we live in a world, uh, naturally speaking, where there's this negative gravitational pull to pull everything down. You know, everything's just being pulled down. It's just gravity, right? It's just, if I jump off the stage, I'm going to go down. It's like one of the things I try to tell people when they're witnessing the people and loving on people and trying to get people to serve God, I say, here's what you got to remember. It's easier for people to bring you down than it is for you to bring them up. Wow. Like, 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 if I was uh, on this stage right now and I asked Devon to come up and I say, hey, come on, let me, I bet he can pull me down before I can pull him up because of the gravitational pull. It's just always working at us. And the longer we live, the older we get, we get to experience that even physiologically, physiology in our bodies, right? Everything starts going down. <laughs> You're 22, you don't understand what I'm saying, but... Everything starts going down. And my point is, we have to be very, very intentional to fight to live the kind of life that's going up. That's going up. And so I want to unpack some of these verses here with the prodigal son, and hopefully it'll resonate with someone in the room today. I'm going to go back at verse 13. It says, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, there he wasted his substance with riotous living. I know a little bit about that. I don't know about you, but I know a little bit about that. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this first point down. The first thing is he jacked up. Yeah, I mean, first thing you got to realize, like, you know, they say when you're going through certain programs, maybe of addiction, they, you got to first fess up and realize, you know, I can't do this by myself. I mean, I've jacked up. I've just jacked up. He jacked up. Is there anyone in the room who's ever jacked up? I'm overwhelmed with your enthusiasm. I said, is there, is there anyone in the room who's ever jacked up? Just really, you know you jacked up. Okay, all right. I'm thinking about the woman who was caught in adultery. I'm sure she thought, man, I've jacked up. I'm thinking about uh, Jonah in the belly of a well for three days, three nights. So he thought, man, I've jacked up. Judas selling Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. Sure, he thought, man, I've jacked up. And the prodigal son here, here he is, has spent all of his money out here in a famine. I'm sure he too thought, I've jacked up. Someone in here had an addiction, and you jacked up. Someone in here had an affair, and you jacked up. Someone in here had an abortion, and you jacked up. Someone in here had an ungodly ambition, got you off track, and you jacked up. Someone in here had a nasty attitude, and you jacked up. Someone recently had to hire an attorney because you jacked up. But can I tell you one of the things that all Christ followers have in common? We've all jacked up.
he jacked up. Now we're going to go down to verse 16. It says, and he would have fain, uh, have a fain filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. So you got to think about it now. He was, he had some money, he had an inheritance, but he spent everything. Now a famine hit. In other words, he spent all his money with all these new friends, and they're kicking it, and they're partying, and they're having a good time, and now he's out of money, and a famine hits, and now he turns, and nobody's there to help him out. So here he gets fed up. He gets fed up. And here's what I wrote in my don'ts. Don't resent people simply because you put up with what they're fed up with. Think about this. David's brothers resented his success because they put up with Goliath when David got fed up with Goliath. And you know you're fed up with it when you're willing to fight it. See, if you keep feeding it, you're not fed up with it. If you keep favoring it, you're not fed up with it. If you keep befriending it, you're not fed up with it. If you're faking it, you're not fed up with it. You know you're fed up with it when you're willing to fight it. This is what happened with Moses and Pharaoh. Finally, Moses rolled his sleeves up and went in front of Pharaoh. He said, listen, man, let my people go. I mean, you've been doing too much. You've been a hard taskmaster. We've been suffering this thing for 400 years. We are fed up. Let my people go. Lice is coming down on this bad boy. Frogs is coming into the king's chamber. We're going to turn the Nile into blood. Let my people go. He got fed up. And you're always willing to fight what you're fed up with. Come on, somebody say amen. Isn't that true? Y'all ever seen the movie A Christmas Story? Come on, let me see the hands. You saw, and put your hands up in the auditorium too if you've seen A Christmas Story. Okay, I see you over there. So I love that movie. I watch it like 17 times during the season when it comes on. I love little Ralphie. You know, little Ralphie, man, I love little Ralphie, and it's in the snow. And y'all know a little bit about snow in Utah, and he's always walking back and forth to school with his little brother. And there's these bullies in the movie who keep bullying and picking on little Ralphie. One day, little Ralphie got sick and tired of being sick and tired, and little Ralphie, man, he just snarled up and gnarled up and ran after them and began to commence the beating on them and fighting them, because you know what? Little Ralphie got fed up. And I believe the prodigal son here said, you know what? I'm fed up with this famine. I'm fed up out here feeding pigs. And I'm about to go fight for my future. Yeah. I'm just asking, is anybody fed up with anything? You fed up with foolishness. Come on, you fed up with frustration. I'm just saying, you fed up with failure. You fed up with finger pointing and fault finding. You fed up with the fake news. You just fed up, praise God. I'm just saying, you can't go up until you get fed up. Somebody say amen. amen. Verse 17, he says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. It says, and when he came to himself, he had to wake up. He had to wake up. He jacked up. He got fed up. Now he had to wake up. How many know you can be up naturally but not up spiritually? You can be up spiritually but not up emotionally. You can be up emotionally but not up rationally. You can be up rationally but not up socially. You can be up socially but not up financially. And God wants us up in every sphere and area of our lives. 
I'm reminded of a story of a young boy. He would always wake up late, never could wake up early. His mother was always frustrated and so I like, let me just see if I can get him to wake up early. So she says, I'm going to teach him a lesson. She shares him a story. She said, come into my room. Let me share a story with you. She said, there were two birds. She said, the first bird would always get up very early in the morning and always find food to eat for himself and his family. She said, but the second bird would always get up late and he could never find any food. She said, son, what, what did you learn? He said, I learned that bugs that get up early get eaten by birds. <laughs> so I'm going back to bed. <laughs> Confucius says it's better to wake up and pee than to pee and wake up. And I just think as believers, we can't walk around like sleeping giants. There has to come a point in time in our lives where we wake up. When a walk with God, we got to wake up. When we're warfaring against the enemy, we got to wake up. When we come into worship, we can't just be standing there all aloof and lethargic. We got to worship. We got to wake up. When the word is going forth, come on, you better not go to sleep. We tell them in our church, you go to napping, we go to slapping. <laughs> wake up. Come on, look at the person next to you. Just tell them, wake up. Wake up. Yeah, wake up. <laughs> I'm reminded of I was coming back on a plane on a flight from L.A. back to Ohio. My son uh, played college basketball, and while he was in high school, he played a lot of AAU basketball. And so it was a weekend, played 15, 16 games. He was extremely tired. We're on the flight back. It's a long flight from L.A. back to Ohio. And he's asleep. I mean, he's dead to the world sleep. And I was nodding off myself. But I heard this, the flight attendant, she was trying to wake him and get his attention. She kept saying, sir, kept saying, sir, I don't know if he needed to lift up his tray table, or get a seat up. I don't know what it was. But she couldn't get his attention. I finally looked over. Man, he was just out, like almost like drool. He was just out. And, and so I was like, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. He wouldn't wake up. So I had re-leaned across the aisle and I shook him. Yeah. <laughs> I had the shaking to waking. What I'm saying is some of you would have never woken up if something didn't shake you. And I wonder, can you just put your finger on what it was that shook you that woke you up? Maybe after almost losing everything to alcohol is what it took to shake you and wake you up. Maybe after receiving the divorce papers is what it took to shake you, come on, and wake you up. I don't know what it was, but you know what it was. Maybe it was coming to the well church and hearing Pastor Jason preaching a life-changing, transformational message for the first time, and it just shook you. Come on, and it woke you up. But how many are glad that you've woken up? Come on, I'm, come on, somebody ought to say amen to that. Yeah, it's what, it's what, it's what he did. He, he woke up. Yeah, he jacked up. He was fed up. He had to wake up. Verse 18 says, And I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. I like this because he said, I will arise. Yeah. Uh, now he's got to get up. Yeah. Now he's got to get up. Yeah. Proverbs 24, verse 16 says, For a just man falls seven times, but he gets back up again. Yeah. See, failure isn't in falling. Failure is just in staying down and not getting back up. Are you hearing me? There's a great story in the Gospels about a man. The Bible says that they bought him and laid him at the gate. 
In other words, he was a lame man, and they laid him at the gate called Beautiful at the temple. You'll miss it. It said daily. So every day they brought this man to church and laid him right outside the church. And the scripture says that the man had a cup begging alms. I want you to hear this. In other words, you've seen it before you walk. In other words, the cup, the change in the cup. Like some people like who are out, they, they, they have a cup out or they have something out because they're asking you for something. And they start out by putting their own change in the cup. So they can just shake it a little bit so that you can hear it. And he's got this cup and he's begging for alms. What I find fascinating is that he's at church every day. So this tells me that you can come to church and still not get up. Mm. See, this man was so proficient with his system that he had developed. He had developed a system soliciting support for his dysfunction so that he'd never have to get up. But how many of you know there's a difference between getting by and getting up? See, see, welfare is getting by. Working with your hands is getting up. Begging is getting by. Believing is getting up. Depending on other people are getting by. Depending on God, come on, is getting up. And so Peter picked up on this man's get by spirit. And I don't believe is that Peter didn't have any money. But Peter knew you work in a system that isn't going to work for you. And that's why Peter said, listen, man, silver and gold have I not. But such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he said, get up and walk. He said, in the name of Jesus, because anytime you come into contact with Jesus, in the presence of Jesus, there's always going to be this spirit that says, get up, get up, get up out of the bed, get up, pull the covers back, get the pillow off of your face, open up the blinds, come on, let the sun shine in, get up, arise and shine, for thy light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Somebody ought to shout, get up. Yeah, remember when Jesus went down to the pool of Bethesda, there was a man down there for 38 years. And the Bible says he was impotent. And when Jesus saw him, it says that he noticed he had been in that condition for a long time. Isn't that something? And Jesus said, Jesus said, will thou be made whole? And it's interesting because sometimes you would think, Jesus, you see the condition I'm in. Why would you ask me a question like that? But sometimes Jesus knows I can want something for you more than you want it for yourself. And I got to know, what do you want for yourself? And if I can discern that you want it for yourself, then I'm going to tell you to get up. And he told the man to get up. He stood out in front of Lazarus' tomb, and he told Lazarus, he said, get up. They said, no, you two ladies been dead for four days. By now he stinketh. Jesus said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You don't understand. You talking about the resurrection? I am the resurrection. And he stood out in front of that tomb, and he said, get up. He went to a woman, the Bible says, was bound over for 18 years. And the scripture said, in no wise could she lift up herself. That was me. I couldn't do it myself. I couldn't lift up myself. But when Jesus came into this woman's presence, you know what he said to her? Get up. And the woman got up. Praise God. There has to come a season in your life where you say, you know what? It's time for me to get up. Is anybody ready to get up? 
I just sense somebody's about to get up. Somebody's about to get up out of that depression. Somebody's about to get up out of that dysfunction. Somebody's about to get up out of those drugs. Somebody's about to get up out of debt. Somebody's about to get up out of that unfavorable doctor's diagnosis. Somebody's about to get up out of a dead church. Come on, I know how it works. There's somebody online you've been playing with, you've been flirting with the whale from afar, and you're in a church that does not have any life in it, and God's been telling you it's time to get up. Have you not heard there's a place in Salt Lake City called the whale? Get up. Get up. You know why? You can't go up. Till you get up. Verse 15, verse 19, I'm sorry, he says, and no, he said, I am no more worthy to be called thy son. He said, make me one of thy hired servants. I love this part. He said, I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. Number five, he had to grow up. Yeah, he had to grow up. Everybody say up. He had to grow up. Here's how I know, because when he first went to his father, See, really, really the sin he committed, because when he came back, he started repenting about the sin he committed. It was really him being, thinking, <laughs> it's interesting, that he could make it without his father. And so he first goes to the father. He says, give me the portion of goods that falleth unto me. Give me is an immature statement. If you got little kids, you hear it all the time. Give me, give me, mine, 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 give me. I got two little grandsons, and one is about a year older than the other, and whatever the older one does, the other one, like, he can't do it without him doing it. So if I give him something, I got to give the same to him. Right? Give me, give me. That's an immature statement. But after the prodigal goes through all of this this, uh, 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 dysfunction and all of this uh, damage in his life, when he returns to the father, you know what he says? He says, make me one of thy hired servants. Now, make me is a statement of maturity. He no longer says, give me. Now he says, make me. Because what he learned in it all is that if God, if the Father gives you before he makes you, you'll always mess up what he gives you. Are y'all hearing me? So he had to grow up. Everybody say, grow up. Most people don't grow up. They grow old. There's a difference between growing up and growing old. Growing old is mandatory. Growing up is optional. Are you hearing me? You know you're growing old when you have more hair in your ears than you do on your head. (laughs) No, you know you're growing old when you wear black socks with sandals. You know you're growing old when you're constantly talking about the price of gasoline. You know you're growing old when you can eat dinner at 4 p.m. You know you're growing old when people call at 9 p.m. and ask, did I wake you? You know you're growing old when you start wearing your pants above your navel. You know you're growing old when your cologne smells like Vicks Vapor Rub. You're probably getting a little bit old. But you know you're growing up when you can pray for them that despitefully use you. 
You know you're growing up when you don't do the things that you used to do. Come on, you know you're growing up when you stop playing games, when you stop throwing temper tantrums. You know you're growing up when you can say, when I was a child, I spake as a child, and I thought as a child, and I understood as a child. But when I became a man or a woman and grew up, I put away childish things. Come on, one of the hardest things in ministry is to get Christians to grow up. I know it's just easier to give up. It's easier to cover up. It's easier to act up. But is there anyone in the room today ready to grow up? Yeah, I'm in the right place. Verse 21, verse 21, he says, And the son said to him, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and no more worthy to be called thy son. I mean, he comes to him and now he's confessing and he says, listen, I've sinned, dad. I'm, I'm no longer worthy. And so what he had to do here, he had to speak up. He had to speak up. He said, I've sinned. I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. He had to speak up. I'm, I'm reminded about, you know, Caleb, the 10 spies or the 12 spies in the promised land. God says, go check it out. Bring back the report. And the Bible says 10 of them came back with an evil report. And they said, we can't do it. There's giants in the land. They're eating up the inhabitants thereof. They're bigger than us. We're but grasshoppers in their sight and in ours. And the Bible says, but Caleb stilled the people. Yes, yes, Caleb said, hush up now, hush up now. <laughs> Caleb said, we are more than able. Yes, Didn't we sing about a God this morning who is more than able? He said, let us go up at once and possess the land that God has promised to his children. What did Caleb do? He spoke up. That's what Pastor Jason did with this facility. He said, let's go possess the land. Come on, that God, I don't even know if I'm pointing in the right direction. He said, let's go possess the land. Come on, let's go possess and raise the money so that we can renovate the land. Let's go so we can occupy the land. Because how many of you know, there's still people in Salt Lake City that need to be saved. There are families that need to be restored. Come on, they're alive that still need to be changed. Thank God you got a man of God who will speak up. Glory to God. Caleb spoke up. The same thing David did. When David got up on that hill and everybody was running afraid because Goliath was out there selling wolf tickets to the children of Israel, telling them what he was going to do to them. Feed them out here and I'm going to feed them. I'm going to feed I'm going to kill them like a dog. And David said, wait a minute, hold on. Is there not a cause? David said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Why are y'all so quiet? I don't get it. Why are y'all hiding? I don't get it. David is scratching his head. David said he's uncircumcised. That means he has no covenant with God. There's no way a people that comes against a people with a covenant with God is going to win. That's what David knew, and that day David spoke up. Come on, I'm reminded of a man, blind Bartimaeus, is sitting on the side of the Lord, and he hears, he hears Jesus is coming up the street, and he yells out, Jesus, Jesus, son of David, Jesus, and everybody's telling Bartimaeus, shut up, be quiet, shush, but the Bible says that Bartimaeus yelled the more, Jesus, in other words, it's the squeaky wheel that always gets the attention. How many of you know what I'm talking about? He spoke up. He spoke up. Sometimes no one knows you're sorry. Sometimes no one knows your story. Sometimes no one knows your situation if you don't speak up. 
I don't know about you, but in our community, the African-American community, there's this thing that goes around, and they used to say, what goes on in this house stays in this house. And what they didn't know is that inadvertently, subconsciously, they was teaching us to shut up. And then we grew up, and now we all bound up, backed up, broken up, emotionally messed up, because we didn't go talk to a therapist and speak up or confront Uncle Charles for what he did and speak up or call the police and write a report and speak up or tell a friend or tell your pastor, get it off your chest and speak up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, 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 so he used this opportunity to speak up. We're living in a society that seeks to shame you on social media simply to silence you about serious issues. But as the church, the body of Christ, we got to use our voice and speak up. Are you hearing me? I said we got to speak up. Hallelujah. Just, just, just look at the person to you and say it's time to speak up. Yeah, yeah, it's time to speak up. It's time to speak up. This is why you can't let anyone shut down your praise. Because your praise is a form of speaking up. Are oh, you hearing me? Pastor Jason talked about faith is loud. You know, I still think there's a song out, it might get loud. You just never know, right? It might get loud. So, so, so praise is a form of speaking up. Matter of fact, what the psalmist says, he said, my mouth shall talk the praise of God. The Bible says that his praises shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, the Bible says, let everything that have breath praise ye the Lord. That's everything. He talking about bad breath, nicotine breath, cigarette breath, any kind of breath. He said, praise the Lord. The Bible says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Come on, Jesus said this. He said, if you stay silent, he said, the rocks will cry out. In other words, there's no way that even nature can get in the presence of God and not speak up. But I remember one man saying, ain't no rock gonna cry out for me. I'm gonna praise God by speaking up. Are there any praisers in the room? Come on. Are there any praisers in auditorium too? Come on, you ought to take about a 15 second praise break. Come on, 10, nine, eight, come on, five. Come on, give him, give him glory to God. Speak up. Praise, praise is a grateful heart speaking up. Praise is a renewed mind speaking up. Praise is a healed body speaking up. Praise is a rejoicing spirit speaking up. Praise is a changed life speaking up. Don't ever let nobody shush you. Say, honey, give me a little bit of room because me and God are about to go at it. I'm about to give him some praise. Come on, just look at your neighbor and tell him it might get loud. Tell him it might get loud. 
I got one more here. Verse 23, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. They begin to be merry. I like this part when he says he was dead and is alive again. Now, he, now he's got to live up. Now it's time to live up. Not, not the first way he thought living up was going to be. And when I say live up, I'm not talking about living up to people's expectations of you. I'm talking about living up to your potential. I'm talking about living up to God's plan for your life. I'm talking about living up to your purpose. How many of you know you got a purpose, man? You have a purpose. You have a God-designed purpose. Live up. I know a little bit about this story of the prodigal son. I felt like this in my life over the years. Over 34 years ago it was, I was sentenced to three years incarceration in United States federal prison. Y'all was loud a moment ago. Now y'all done got it. Don't get quiet on me now. Don't, don't look at me in that tone of voice. But you know what? I'm in good company this morning. Because when I think about it, people like Peter in the Bible went to prison. No, no, no. John the Baptist in the Bible went to prison. You remember Paul and Silas in the Bible went to prison. Samson in the Bible went to prison. Joseph in the Bible went to prison. Martin Luther King went to prison. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison. So you can't do anything great for God unless you go to prison. It is, it is the prerequisite for the anointing. You understand? <laughs> Selling drugs. Her and I, boyfriend, girlfriend, I leave the apartment that day. She said, babe, don't go out. I have a bad feeling. I went out anyway. SWAT raided the home that we were in. I got busted. Never remember, forget standing in the courtroom that day, facing the judge, tells me to stand up. He's about to pass sentence on me. She's standing behind me. My family's standing behind me. He's about to pass sentence. I'm wringing my fingers. I'm like, what is he getting ready to say? And while he's about to do that, she's back there whispering something. And I'm, I'm laughing. What is, what, I hear, what are you, who is that? And so I turn to see what she's saying, and here's what she said to me. She said, I'll wait five years. Uh, thank you for your candid honesty. And, uh, and as soon as she said it, I turned back around and faced the judge, and the judge says, uh, sir, I sentenced you to 41 months in the United States Federal, and I'm like, 41 months, what is that? What is, what is, I, I, like, give it to me straight, man, what is that, 41 months? And then I computed, oh, a little over three years. I turned back to her, I said, I expect you to wait. That's what I said, and she did. She did. I got, out, I got out of prison after three years. I got out of prison, man. I mean, my life was changed. God did something very transformative in my life in prison. And when I got out, it was just like God fast-tracked everything. Things were happening good. Success, blowing up. I mean, I was working a good job, doing things, man. Just catching up, just catching up. And then my probation officer, I was supposed to be on probation for five years. She come to me. She said, listen, you're doing so good. I want to go to the judge, and I want to tell him, if he ask him if he would release you early. I said, let the Lord use you. Yeah, let the Lord use you. <laughs> Let the Lord use you. you. You're hearing God. You're hearing God right now. And so she did. She went to the judge. And uh, the judge basically 
uh, wanted to meet me. Her and I had gotten married at this time. He wanted to meet me, and he asked if we, her and I would come into his chambers to have lunch with him. And um, we did. Uh, downtown Columbus, Ohio, federal courtroom, one day went in, and uh, he called all of the news media in. He wanted to do a success story on my life. And uh, I'll never forget, as we were walking into his chambers, he had called his stenographer in, and I know she uh, had been there for 30 years, but it was her day off, but he called her in on her day off to come and be a part of this. And I know it because she said to me when I was walking in, she said, I've been here 30 years and I've never seen anything like this. And I said, anything like what? She said, where a sitting judge would invite back a person who he had sent to prison to have lunch with him in his chambers. And so we go in, her and I, we have lunch with the judge. A couple of hours we spent in there, we're talking with fellowship, and we found out that he is a, a, a Christian, devout, sincere, who loves the Lord. Yeah. yeah. And, and, when, and while in there, he asked me a question. He said, Melani, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, he said, what is it like in prison? And I'm thinking, you dishing out all this time? <laughs> Need to go get a day pass or something. <laughs> And so then I got up the courage and I asked him a question. I said, Judge, what is it like sending people to prison? And he shared an amazing story with me that I don't have time to share with you, but it let me know he loved the Lord and he had a heart for God. And, and, and from that point on, he gave me his card. He said, if you ever needed anything, he said, he said, I'm here, reach out. I've never needed anything. I've never needed to reach out. But we would meet with him for about six years, maybe seven years until he got off the bench and retired. Every year, once a year, downtown in our city for, at his best, at his favorite breakfast spot, once a year, we would just meet and connect and keep up. But I'll never forget the last words he said to me when we were in his chambers. We were about to leave. He said, whoever would have thought the man who I sentenced over three years ago would be sitting in my chamber today having lunch with me. He said, only God can do that. Yeah. Being in prison was the, first best, the worst three years of my life, but it was the best three years of my life. Because it was in prison where I learned how to walk with God. It was in prison where I learned how to throw my hands up and worship God. It was in prison where I learned the Word of God. It was in prison where I learned how to witness my faith to other people. It was in prison where I learned how to wait on the Lord. How many of y'all know I had to wait? I had no choice. I had to wait on the Lord. But I'm just saying, I feel like the prodigal in the sense that that was a season I knew I jacked up. And I had to walk out these steps. I had to get to a place where I got fed up with this kind of life. I had to wake up to the reality of where my life was going. Are you hearing me? I had to grow up. I had to speak up. And I'm just saying today, I'm living up. But it didn't just happen by happenstance, accident. I've had to fight intentionally. Today, I'm married to a beautiful woman of 31 years who waited on your boy for five years. 
I have three amazing sons, three amazing grandsons. I pastor a great church that I love, that loves me back. I get to preach all over the world. I'm just saying, I understand prodigal son, because you know what God did for me? It's what he did for the prodigal. When the prodigal came back home, he made up for everything that boy lost. He lost his shoes out there, he lost his ring, he lost his robe, he lost his dignity, he lost his identity, but the father said, put a ring on his finger, put shoes on his feet, put a robe on his back, bring the fatted calf, we're about to, hey, y'all may not know this term, we're about to turn up. Yeah, we're about to turn up. We're gonna have us a party. We're gonna be, come on somebody. And so, Everything I thought I lost, God gave it back. Made up. Wow. If you're not already on your feet, would you stand to your feet all over the sanctuary? Auditorium 2, would you stand to your feet? Thank you for your patience this morning, but I want to I pray real quick here before we're out. I want to pray real quick. If there's anyone in here, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to bow your hearts. And I want you to just open your ears and tentatively listen to the question I'm about to ask. If you're in here this morning, you say, you know what, I've never accepted Jesus into my heart. I've never, ever asked Jesus to come into my life. I've never repented of my sin. I want to pray for you today. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I know what it means to be a Christian. I was raised in the church. I was baptized as a child. But be honest, you know you've gotten away from God. You know, he never left you, but you left him. But you want to rededicate your heart today. You say, you know what? I want my joy restored, my peace restored. I want my faith to be strong like it used to be. I want it back. I want to come back to Jesus today. I want to pray for you. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I don't have a church home. I've been just wandering somewhat in the wilderness like a vagabond. But I know the importance of being a part of a local church. And I believe God has sent me to the well church. This might be your first time here. If you think I blessed you today, come back and hear Pastor Jason. Might be your fifth time, might be your 19th time. You've been flirting with the church, but you know God has called you here for Pastor Jason and Pastor Erica to lead you to be your pastors. And you want to join up and partner with this church? I want to pray for you today. Come on, while every head is bowed. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Pastor Lonnie, you were talking to me, would you pray for me? I want you to raise your hand. Only those who you feel like I was talking to you, raise your hand. I see those hands going up all over the room. I see hands over in auditorium too going up all over the room. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your obedience. Thank you for responding to what you feel like God is doing in your life. A raised hand represents an open heart. And so I'm just grateful right now that you're allowing God to come in and do what only he can do in your life. Come on, if you didn't raise your hand and you know you ought to, would you lift it? I hate people to get in the car and go, I see those hands going up. I hate people to get in the car and say, oh, I wish I would have lifted my hand. Do it now. Do it now. Don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Do it now. I see those hands. Thank you so much. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you right now for every uplifted hand in the room. In Auditorium 1 and Auditorium 2, even those who may have their hands lifted online, we pray for them. We know that the Spirit has no boundaries. It can transcend space and time. And we just thank you right now that you are acknowledging every uplifted hand. And while, Father, I know that that uplifted hand represents them repenting of their sin and turning toward you. And I pray, Father, right now that they ask you into their heart to live in them in a big way. And they're going to experience the rest of their life will be the best of their life. 
I pray this in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Will all who agree with that just say amen and amen. Come on, let's give a good round of applause. Come on, come on, come on. God bless you guys. Love you.